Hello, and welcome to Brain Fart Episode 9. You know, let's just, let's just get right into it. Today, we are talking about traveling with chronic illness. So, basically, I think I'm just going to talk you through what I experience when I'm, like, traveling, like, the getting to the place, the, the flight or the driving or anything along those lines. And then I think I'm going to discuss like some traveling. I did a really big trip last year by myself. I think it was the first big trip I've done by myself since I was like diagnosed with all of these poopy things. Um, and it was, I went to Germany. I was there for two months. I was by myself I did one month of farming and one month of um, an exchange program, so school. So I'll talk more about that when I get to that. But I think first I want to talk about the actual traveling portion of it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I just ate a bucket of fried rice, <laughs> so that's sitting heavy in my stomach, and I might be burping a lot. I apologize. Will I cut them out? The world may never know. Um... I completely forgot what I was talking about. Okay, so traveling. I go to school in New Jersey, and I'm from Las Vegas. So I have to do a lot of traveling back and forth to get home to my family and to get back to school. I've limited it as much as I can. I don't really go back. I don't go home for Thanksgiving. I have family here and friends here that I usually celebrate Thanksgiving with here as in New Jersey. And I usually don't go back for spring break. I don't go back for short breaks because that just seems, I don't know, a little silly. I like get on a flight. I spend six hours on a flight. I get home. I'm home for two days and then I spend six hours on a flight and come back. So I usually only go home for substantial breaks being that being winter break, which is usually a month long. And then summer break, which is, I think, three or four months, something ridiculous. Um, so those are the kind of times I really, but I'm flying a lot. Like I'm flying at least five times a year, I think. And then like whatever added vacations and things like that, or road trips, all of that stuff. So I'm going to talk to you about how I deal with chronic illness on flights specifically. I think those are the main ones because that's when there's like a real pressure change in the atmosphere and stuff like that because you're going up and down and fast and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I, huh, where do I even begin? The thing is, I don't have like my chronic illness traveling bag. Like I don't have anything like that, which a lot of people do. And it's really helpful for, <laughs> really helpful for them to have. And so honestly, if it works for you, it works for you. Even if it's just like your traveling bag, you're like, this is what I need to travel long distances. Uh, boo, 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 boo. So my main thing is figuring out like how, like what to eat before I go on a flight and drinking lots of water. So when I fly, I just get so gassy, like in the true form of this brain fart podcast brain fart emphasize on fart I get so gassy when I fly I I don't know why it 
Honestly, I don't even know if it's my chronic illness or anything. I know I've always had digestive issues. Like that's just part of my life. Um, but I have for as long, like as long as I can remember, I feel like I get really gassy. I feel like it's gotten worse over the past couple of years. Cause I know like my intestinal stuff and my stomach lining, all that, all that stuff has gotten a little worse. So I think it shows in that matter. But I, it is, oh, it's, it's bad. And it's not even to the point where I'm like letting a couple toots go and I'm like apologizing with my eyes to the person I'm sitting next to, but it's more like gas cramping and pain. And so that's a huge part of my flying. I feel it every time. So what really helps with me in that sense is like my diet. So I really, I really focus on not eating anything that will influence the gas from getting into my body and leaving my body. <laughs> so I try to stay away from dairy before I fly, you know, that good lactose intolerant life, but does anyone with lactose intolerant completely follow it? I don't know. Completely not eat dairy? I don't. Um, so really it's just staying away. And even though like I come up like pretty like my test results for dairy come up pretty bad, except for with mozzarella. Like I have all of the markers on every other cheese type except for mozzarella. But even when I'm about to get on a flight, I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't even eat this. So I usually stay away from cheese. Um, and I also try, I think, to stay away from like gluten a little bit. I've always had like a couple, like I don't have celiac disease. Um, and I know what celiac disease is. My brother has it. Like I, I'm not allergic to wheat in any way. I've always had some issues, I think, digesting it. But I think that just comes from the fact that like my gut is sad and not because it's wheat itself, but it's because it's just a thing that my body doesn't quite digest. So I kind of try to stay away from that too. That doesn't always work, but I do sometimes. And then I also just like to chug water because even getting on a flight, you're going to get really dehydrated anyways. And so I always bring my refillable water bottle. And of course, empty it before you go through the gate. I swear, if I had a dollar every time someone at the gate looked at that water bottle and said, is that empty? And every time I've gone, yes, they go, I would be a millionaire. But I get it. It's their job. I'm not knocking them. That's literally their job. Um, but I'm like, no, it's empty. I've flown before, I promise. Um, and so I like bring it through empty and then I fill it up at a water fountain when I'm through usually before I go pee, before I get on the plane, which leads me to my next point. I love sitting on the aisle for many reasons, but for the first reason being the bathroom. I get up to go to the bathroom so much on flights, I, I don't even know what to do. It's like at least three times, like anywhere from like three to 10 times on a single flight. Um, and that's because I'm like, oh, I got to keep hydrated to like help my gas and to help my brain and to help all this stuff. And then I'm chugging liquids and then I'm like, oh, I also have to pee so bad. And so that's kind of what I do along those lines. I don't take like a gas X or anything like something to prevent my gas. And maybe I'm sitting here thinking about it. Maybe I should. I get weird about putting like a bunch of medication in my body because I already like put a lot of medication in my body. Does that make sense? Is that just irrational? I don't know. Probably both. Um, 
but maybe I could try something along those lines because it really does get bad sometimes where I'm just sitting there and you feel like the cramping in your stomach and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry to the person next to you. But also it's loud on flights and so you can get away with a lot of tooting on those flights. That's all I got to say. Um, a fun tip, fun fact. Um, but also I don't know if you want to take the risk if it's going to be really loud because then then you just hope everyone's listening or like watching the television or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the gas portion of the flight. So that's something I deal with on the flight, whether that is like chronic illness or just like my digestion issues, or maybe everyone has gas and I'm not special. Um, so there's that. And then the peeing all the time because I'm hydrating. But also I love sitting on the aisle because it helps me, it lets me stretch out my legs and stretch out my body. That's a big thing with sitting on airplanes or even when I'm in um, cars or doing road trips, it's like really important for me to get up and move, especially since I broke my coccyx. It's hard to sit for like really long periods of time without it starting to ache, especially on like seats that aren't quite super comfortable or if I'm sitting in one position for too long or if I'm putting pressure on that area for too long, it gets a little uncomfortable. So it's really nice to be able to stand up and move around. And with the Lyme disease, I have a lot of like joint like pain. And so my knees get really tense when I'm sitting. And so I need to stretch them or else it like is just this growing pain in my, not growing pain, but like the pain is growing in my knees for like the entire flight. And so I need to be able to stretch them out and walk around and just get up and do some stretches. Like anytime the people in the row are like, I'm so sorry, I have to pee, I have to get up. I'm like, it's not a big deal because they get up and like while they're in the bathroom, I just like spend that time stretching. It's like a nice reminder to myself to like get up and get my body moving for a second because when it stays really still, it can kind of like really cramp up and hurt and just not feel great overall. I recommend that for anyone, even people without illnesses or whatever, like just get up and move around, get your blood flowing a little bit. It's helpful, especially on long flights. And when I'm like going to and from Vegas, from New Jersey, it can be anywhere from like four hours, 50 minutes to six hours. Like it just, there's, it spans and it's a long time. So it's really important for me to do that. So that's why I love the aisle seat. I feel really good there, I feel comfortable <laughs> um, for the peas and for the stretching. Um, but so another thing that happens, and this is kind of the big thing that happens on flights, is I get a little bit of brain pressure when I'm flying. Um, I, don't, I don't know quite all of the scientific facts of what happens, but I just know that I've always had kind of pressure headaches when I get on flights and when I'm flying. I haven't quite figured out what helps and what doesn't. I know like I feel like water helps and making sure I'm hydrated. So making sure that's not an issue. It's like, it's when I go through my checklist, you guys know my checklist. I drink lots of water to make sure that's not the issue. I eat, I have snacks to make sure that's not the issue. And I'll even like nap or something on the plane to make sure that's not the issue. So all of those are knocked out. And so it, it's just the pressure that's affecting it and nothing else. It's like knocking out all of those other factors so that it's only one thing that's contributing to it instead of three. So I think that's a good way to look at it. I usually don't take pain medicine. Honestly, if I'm 
if I'm going to be honest, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like pain medicine doesn't really work for me when it's a pressure headache because it's just the feeling of pressure that's hurting rather than like something else. I don't know. I don't even know if that's rational, but that's kind of what I've experienced in the past. So I'm like, if I don't have to take a pain med to do this, then I'm not. And, um, it's also, I also want to make sure when I'm flying and when my head hurts that my neck is okay. Cause like I'll have really, like my neck will get really sore. And I think when I try to sleep certain ways and things like that, like it just hurts. So I have to kind of try and, I don't know, stretch it, make sure I don't sleep on it weird. There's like a lot of factors of making sure that like everything is okay. So I don't completely implode when I'm on a flight. And also I think kind of the last thing, cause those are the things that mainly affect me and I can do as much as I can over like about all of it. But in the end, there's not a whole lot I can do because I don't quite know how I'm going to react that day and that time. So it's just kind of trying to be prepared as much as I can. And a lot of times I just try and keep myself busy. And I think that's helpful. It passes time. Like I watch movies. That's really when I watch a lot of my movies is on those flights. I w I'll watch like three movies in a row and I'm like, okay, caught up. Um, or I'll read a book or things like that. Sometimes it's just like distracting myself to keep myself going. Um, and, or trying to take a nap. Honestly, I really can't get through a really long nap. They're usually, sometimes I've slept for like two hours, but for the most part, they're usually maybe 20 minute increments at most. Um, but yeah, it's just keeping myself busy, listening to podcasts, all of that stuff. I get a little nervous on flights too. So I think that helps along those lines. And also the last thing, I know I said that was the last thing, but I do like, I'm not a huge, I'm not a soda drinker. I've never really, I don't know. The carbonation is weird. It like makes me feel weird rather than happy. <laughs> um, but for some reason on flights, I really like to drink ginger ale. And I don't know if it's just like that, like child in me or like that myth of like, oh, you feel sick, drink ginger ale. I don't know if it actually helps but for some reason it brings me comfort. So that's kind of my last thing. So that's kind of what it's like when it's flying, when I'm flying. So it's, it's kind of an ordeal. It's kind of not, it just is. Um, it kind of, it's the same way when I'm doing long road trips, it's hard because my butt gets sore and I just need to stretch and I always have to pee. So at least on planes, like I have the option to get up and pee and like the same with trains. But when I'm in a car, I'm always like, I'm so sorry, but you have to pull over, I have to pee. The amount of times my dad has said hold it and then not pulled over to the bathroom for hours is too many to count. Love you, dad. <laughs> but now I'm really good at holding my pee because of it, which is, I don't know, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. We don't know. Um, so that's kind of my traveling. So that's kind of getting to the place, I think, for me. And now I think, let's talk about Germany. Let's just go right into it. Let's talk about Germany. I loved it. That was one of the, that was the greatest time of my life. I don't know if I've talked about it on this. I'm sure I've mentioned it. I don't know. So I, let's, let's give a little background. I started studying German, um, my end of my sophomore year. It was right when my student tumor happened. That was the semester, the first semester I started German. And I had kind of like that summer was looking into, um, 
was looking into languages I wanted to do and I really wanted to do uh, American Sign Language but that class fills up really quickly at my university it's really popular and so I was like okay I don't want to deal with that I don't want to risk not getting a language course so I could like get my because it's required for our um, degree and so I started looking at other languages and I have a lot of like German ancestry and so I was like okay let's look into that um and I did and I started kind of doing like that Duolingo app <laughs> I'm not sponsored but I love that app um and I kind of started it and I was like oh this is this is this is kind of like English. Like it's really similar. It's really interesting. I really like it. And I was really good at it. The thing is I was always embarrassed with Spanish because I couldn't roll my R's or I can't, I still can't, I can't roll my R's and I never had a good accent. And it just sounded so bad and unnatural that I was like, I need to, if I ever tried to speak this to someone, it would just be, it, people would just laugh. Um, but then with German, it felt really natural. It felt like it sounded natural. I had a decent accent. I mean, of course, I should have probably stuck with Spanish because that's a more popular language in the United States than German, but whatever. So I decided to take German and I, I really loved it. I loved the class. I loved everything about it. And then one semester, they're like, hey, we're doing a study abroad. It would be the summer before my senior year. So I found out about it junior year and I was like, you know what? Why the heck not? I'm going to do it. And I applied and I, they only took 10 of us. I think, I think it was something like that. They took 10 of us. It was, would be, we'd be studying in Constance, Germany, which is in the Southern part of Germany. Um, and I did the whole application. I kept going and it was kind of, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get into this. And then I ended up getting into it. I was so shocked. Um, but so I was accepted. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Germany for a month. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, if I'm going for a month, why not go for two months? <laughs> um, why not push myself further? And so I was looking for options to figure out how I could travel there without the cost of putting myself up for an entire month. And I found, um, <clears throat> I found this program called Woof. It's worldwide opportunities on organic farms and highly recommend it. And I was looking through it and looking through it. And I found this farm that was close to where I would be studying. It was probably, it was, I think, an hour train ride away, not horrible by any means. It was an hour train ride away. And I said, okay, that seems like a good fit. And I just emailed them off like on a whim. And I like kind of told them about myself and they ended up saying, come on over, come, come to our farm. And I was, I, I didn't know how I was okay. I was like, okay, all right, I'll come. And so they, I ended up living with, um, this, well, these two, Uli and Marcus, this couple who ran this organic farm in Dogen, Germany, like they were incredible. Uh, and there were a bunch of other woofers and other like students and things like that from all over the world. There was um, uh, two girls from France. There was a guy from Canada, another guy from the U.S., uh, a girl from Great Britain. Oh, it was just like so, so many different cultures, so many different people. 
and we were all just working on this farm together and we would work from uh like 8 a.m 7 7 a.m to 8 a.m until 1 p.m and then we'd have lunch together and then we were free for the afternoons and it was the most incredible experience so I found out about them and I told my parents I was like I'm going to Germany for two months and I had been doing pretty all right with my health so it felt doable and I had talked to um I had talked to the people at the farm, the people at the school, like I felt comfortable with them and I felt comfortable in their hands. And so I just packed my bags and I went to Germany for two months and it was terrifying and it was the most exciting thing I've ever done. Um, And so I worked at this farm and I have to tell you, I have never felt better than when I was at the farm. I don't know if it was, I'm sure there were many factors um, with my diet and my exercise. I was working out a lot. I was in the sun, the sunshine in the beautiful air. I was working in the dirt. I, w- I love nature, by the way. And I, it was, oh God, it was the number one place to be. And so it was really good for my health, I think. I was eating really healthily. I was doing so many fun activities. I was meeting new people. I was just like completely opening my mind and loving every second of it. And I think that just like fueled my soul and was really, sorry, I have cleared my throat a million times this, this recording, but it was really the most, I think like healing place, like whatever, take that as you will. But I just loved being there and I really had no problem with my brain and stuff. And so after that, that incredible month was up, I went to the school in Constance and I, I loved it there too. It was very different. It was a very different vibe. I met great friends. I, I finally found like a group of friends there that I really enjoyed. It took me a second. It took me like a week or so, which isn't a ton of time, but when you're only there for four weeks, it feels like forever. Um, but I finally found a group of people that I really really enjoyed being with and traveling and doing the whole experience with. And so that made it a lot easier, but being there was, I think a little more strenuous on my mind. If that makes sense. I, we were studying anywhere from three to six hours a day, just German in German, everything German. And we had breaks, but we were inside. We were sitting all day. It was like, we're hunched over. We're learning And it was great. It was great learning. It was fun classes, but it was a lot of just sitting and like cramming my brain full of information. And it kind of hit the point where I think my brain just got too tired and it started to affect my pseudotumor. And so I started having episodes (laughs) far away from my family and the people who could help me. And so that's when it started to get a little bit scary. And that's, I think the first time I realized like, oh, I'm really far away and I don't quite know what to do here because I don't think anyone would know. I don't think anyone would know if I like told them what pseudotumor was. And maybe they would, I don't know. Like I, I just didn't know. It was so 
I was so lost. I didn't know what to do. And so I would call my mom and the episodes were kind of getting worse and more frequently to the point where we were going into the last week of school and I had to start missing classes. And then it came to the point where we decided it would be best if I went home on the weekend before the final days. The final day that I would have gone home, I would have, yeah, I would have gone home on a Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. And I ended up going home that sat the Saturday before that, which wasn't bad. The school was totally fine with it. I explained to them my situation, my German teacher, the German teacher was so nice. He was like, she's the best in the class. Newsflash. I wasn't. Um, but he was really nice about it. They gave me full marks. I got all of my credits that I needed. It was great. Cause I worked really hard when I was able to, of course. Um, but so we ended up going home because I just couldn't take it. It was nights of having episodes and oh my God, poor Martin. He, Martin, my boyfriend, for those of you who don't know, um, we would be FaceTiming together at night and then I would just start having an episode. I'd be like, my head hurts, all this stuff. And I'd be having an episode and he would just be on the other line, like at, on the other side of the world, not the other side of the world, but like oh, far away being like not being able to do anything, just sitting there while I was on the phone, like having an episode and him just sitting there trying to talk me through it or like get me to wake up or the things like that. So I think that's the first time I realized like how scary it might be to travel alone, especially with like something like this, because, because there was no one there. There was like no one there who really knew my situation. I had told my friends and they knew, so they were looking out for me and texting me and make sh making sure I was okay, but they didn't know what to do. Like with Martin, he knows how to deal with the brain exercises and things like that in the episodes with the exercises. That's the correct way to say that. Um, and of course my parents know and I have my doctors back home, but being there, I just didn't have anyone to help me. So that's the first time I realized like, oh, this is, this could be a reality if I travel by myself. I really need to figure out how to make this work for me. And so while Germany was this incredible trip, it kind of ended on this weird kind of real moment of, oh, this is, this is my life with traveling and I just need to be aware and I need to be proactive if I'm going to be traveling like this again. Which brings me to this moment because I have applied to grad school for two schools. One is in Bristol and one is in London. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Maddie, that's, <laughs> that's in another country. And I would be going by myself. And so it's that question again of, okay, how do I navigate this? Do I, if I get in, do I do a summer where I'm only focusing on my health and really trying to be healthy so I can make it through those months before Martin comes to visit or I go home that I could really be sick? Or is it possible, like, will I be, will my brain be able to handle a year of intense training? And these are all questions that I've been asking myself. And ultimately, ultimately, I think, yes, I think I could be able to do it. I think I could like really work hard and continue to work hard. And obviously like, I can't like, I don't know what's going to happen with my body, but like, I can just focus on that until that point comes. And of course that's still up in the air. So that's, that's unknown, but that being a big travel thing that could possibly come up in my life, that would be, in, that's, I think that's important to mention in this 
podcast because as I learned in Germany, I would still be learning there. And so I think ultimately I just wanted to talk about this because it's, it's something new that I've experienced with all of these illnesses. Like when I was younger, this was never an issue. It was just, we're traveling, we're just doing the thing. And yeah, traveling comes with its stripes and yeah, the lines are too long and things like that. But then I was like, oh, I have this completely added factor of health and how will I be on the trip over and how will I be in the place and how will I be if I'm alone? And it's just like all of these things that I'm learning now, of course, this is this should just be a learn with Maddie podcast because that's basically what it is. We're all just, I'm just trying to figure it out together and you're on, on the ride with me. So I think it's, yeah, it's just figuring it out, figuring out kind of where my place is in regards to travel, because it's something you don't think about. You're like, okay, this affects you in this way and this way and this way. And then you're like, oh wait, it also affects the way I travel and it affects the way I do this and this. And not to say that that's horrible and it's ruining my life by doing that. It's just something that I have to think more about than I ever did before. And so I think as I continue on this chronic illness, invisible illness journey, I'm learning just what it entails and like what's coming with it and from it. And I think that's interesting. It's teaching me a lot. I'm glad I did Germany by myself. I think that was a huge learning thing. I think I needed to see part of the world by myself. Of course, there were other people there with me once I got to know them, but it, to begin with, it was myself. And so I think that's an important part of independence. And I think that just goes to show that like you can, you can have independence with chronic and invisible illnesses. And yeah, it might be a little harder and yeah, you might have to put a little bit more work into it, but in the end, like it can happen. You can do it. I think it gave me the confidence to, to apply to grad school and be like, if this happens, I can do it. I've done the travel by myself. I've done it for two months. I can do it for a year. And so, yeah, I think that's all I really want to say. I love traveling. (laughs) It's different now but it's still good. And I think that's it. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I, I can't remember what my next episode is about. (laughs) I have to look it up in my little notes. Um, it might be about personality change. It might not be. It'll be a surprise. How fun. (laughs) You'll tune in with no idea what's going on. Um, but thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a great whatever time it is where you are. And yeah, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.